0: This is Binghamton Now on News Radio 1290, WNBF Binghamton, and
1: WNBF.com.
2: Where news breaks first. News Radio 1290, WNBF. Good morning on this Tuesday, February 7th. You're listening to WNBF. The Binghamton Planning Commission will hold a public hearing on the city's first licensed cannabis retail store. The shop to be operated by On Point Cannabis at 75 Court Street is expected to open soon. The site has been home to Just Breathe, a business that has been selling hemp-derived products since the summer of 2021. Owner Damien Cornwell was awarded one of New York State's first retail marijuana licenses last November. Cornwell initially had hoped to begin cannabis sales in early January, but the preparation work to meet state requirements has taken longer than anticipated. Cornwell discussed some details of the operation during a Planning Commission meeting a few weeks ago. The Commission has scheduled a public hearing on the site plan review and a special use permit for the new business. The session is set for today at 5.50 p.m. in the Binghamton City Council Chambers at City Hall. A sign at Just Breathe on Monday afternoon indicated the place is closed until Friday. Cornwell was not available to comment on the revised schedule for launching cannabis sales. A walkway over Interstate 81 linking homes in the Sunrise Terrace neighborhood with Otzeningo Park in the town of Dickinson will be removed soon. The pedestrian bridge between Bevere Street and Old Front Street opened for use in January 1968. The State Department of Transportation shut down the walkway without advance notice to the public a few years ago. Town supervisor Michael Marinaccio said there are more than 300 homes in the Sunrise Terrace development located to the west of the pedestrian bridge. The DOT sent a letter to residents and business operators informing them of what the agency described as an upcoming bridge project. The message explains the project will entail the removal of the walkway. According to the letter from the agency's Andrew Stiles, winter maintenance of the aging structure had become increasingly hazardous, so the decision was made to close the bridge. According to the Evening Press, the walkway cost $312,000 to construct. Over its nearly 55-year lifespan, the bridge was used by a relatively small number of walkers, bicyclists, and skateboarders. The letter noted a new pathway for pedestrians was recently constructed along Front Street. The DOT planned to remove the old bridge during the upcoming construction season. Some nighttime work will be required for the project. It's not known when the removal will occur. In a press release on Monday, City of Binghamton Mayor Jared Cram announced nearly $197,000 in funding for a number of local nonprofits. 14 local nonprofits will receive funding from the Federal Community Development Block Grant. Among those receiving the most funding are the Police Athletic League, receiving $25,000 for capital upgrades to PAL Camp, Metro Interfaith, receiving $20,000 for housing counseling and referral program. And Discovery Center receiving $18,666 for capital upgrades to Story Garden's amphitheater. Mayor Cram stated this funding is going directly to the local nonprofits that provide residents of every age with critical services like after-school programming, job readiness training, and help for first-time homeowners. By supporting our community partners and the invaluable work that they do on behalf of residents, the city is investing in the well-being of those who live and work here. Achieve Action for Older Persons, American Civic Association, Binghamton Adult Education, Binghamton Housing Authority, Broome County Urban League, CARES, Mothers and Babies Perinatal Network, Tri-Cities Opera, and Vines will also receive funding from the Federal Community Development Block Grant. In Broome County Court, Johnny Hardwick, age 41, of Binghamton, pled guilty to felony attempted robbery in the second degree. He will be sentenced to 12 years to life in New York State Prison on April 26th. Hardwick admitted that on October 21, 2022, he entered Weiss Markets on Pennsylvania Avenue in Binghamton and stole merchandise. When confronted by a store employee, Hardwick pulled out a large knife, threatening the worker. He was apprehended by the Binghamton Police Department a short time later. Due to Hardwick's lengthy violent criminal record that includes felony convictions for sexual abuse in the first degree in 2011 in Broome County and attempted robbery in the first degree in 2002 in New York City, He is classified as a persistent violent felony offender under New York state law. Michael Korchak, Broome County District Attorney, said defendant Hardwick's criminal history began in Queens in 2000. He has made no effort to lead a law-abiding life. Therefore, it is necessary to protect the citizens of our community for a lengthy period of time. This sentence accomplishes that. A small earthquake in western New York yesterday jolted people awake but apparently caused no significant damage. The U.S. Geological Survey preliminarily reported a magnitude 3.8 earthquake centered east of Buffalo at about 6.15 a.m. on Monday. A seismologist says it matched the intensity of the strongest earthquake the region has seen in 40 years of available records. That's a quake that was recorded in 1999. The shaking lasted only a few seconds but sent residents unaccustomed to earthquakes to social media in search of an explanation. Erie County Executive Mark Polankars tweeted that the quake was felt in at least a 30-mile radius. Police say an 82-year-old woman who was pronounced dead at a New York nursing home was found to be breathing three hours later at the funeral home where she had been taken. The woman was pronounced dead Saturday morning at Waters Edge Rehab and Nursing Center at Port Jefferson on Long Island. No update on her condition was available Monday. The matter was referred to the state attorney general's office for investigation. A new report says nearly 150 New York City police officers committed misconduct, including using excessive force, while responding to the 2020 protests over the killing of George Floyd. The report, released Monday by the city's Civilian Complaint Review Board, also says many officers disciplined by the police department received punishment that was less than the panel recommended, and some were not disciplined at all. The board says more than 600 complaints could not be investigated because officers could not be identified. The NYPD objected to many of the report's conclusions and said it omitted the fact that officers were responding to dangerous situations while protecting the city. Crews in Ohio have released toxic chemicals from five cars of a derailed train near the Pennsylvania state line to reduce the threat of an explosion. Flames and black smoke billowed high into the sky from the derailment site. Norfolk Southern Railway confirmed Monday evening that the cars were draining and that burning was underway as planned. Authorities were monitoring the air quality to make sure that toxic fumes weren't spreading. Ohio's governor earlier ordered residents near the site to evacuate because of the risk of death or serious injury. Officials believe most have left. Pennsylvania's governor said residents of that state near the derailment site also had left, but he urged people within a two-mile radius to keep their doors and windows closed as a precaution. National Weather Service forecast for downtown Binghamton. Today, chance of showers after 5 p.m., increasing clouds with a high near 41 degrees, a 30% chance of rain. Tonight, chance of showers mainly before 9 p.m., mostly cloudy with a low near 33 degrees, 50% chance of rain. Tomorrow cloudy, then gradually becoming mostly sunny with a high near 40 degrees. Tomorrow night, increasing clouds with a low near 26. Thursday, freezing rain likely before 10 a.m., then rain, a high near 43 degrees, a 90% chance of rain. Thursday night, chance of showers before 1 a.m., cloudy with a low near 39 degrees, 40% chance of rain. You're listening to WMBF, where news breaks first. News Radio 1290, WMBF, WMBF.com, and 92.1 FM. <laughs>
0: Bob Joseph live on a Tuesday morning. This is News Radio, WNBN. 607-772-1290 is the number. Many calls will be received. Some will actually be broadcast live between now and noon right here on News Radio, WNBN. In a crowd in city hall.
3: Cover on the edge, I'm ready to go across at me with eyes that look but cannot see. Out of reach, out of love, stepping out of
0: bounds. And it's time for another radio dance on the station here, 92 1 FM, 1290 AM. Streaming WNBF.com, always available on the free WNBF app. taking a look at the front page of the newspaper. Scammers target pump at Southern Tier Station. So, if you're going to a Southern Tier Station, watch out for scammers who might be targeting that pump. All right, let us begin with uh, Ron in Binghamton. Good morning.
4: Good morning, Bob. Say, by the way, I I did get gas yesterday at a local gas station. I do have a Card, which uh, you just have to, you know, tap. So you don't have to put it in. Many people have those now. You don't have to uh, stick your card into the little slot. You can just tap the spot on the card, and it uh, reads your, you know, your information. So that people might want to do that to avoid having to use that slot, which will, you know, take their info. Hello.
0: That's true. Many people may. Oh,
4: yes. Um, you know, Bob, I, I'm thinking this morning, you, you know me for a while now. I'm not a conspiracy guy. I, I, I'm not for conspiracy theories. But, uh, you know, this happened to me yesterday, even though I'm sensitive, somewhat sensitive to monosodium glutamate, MSG. I did have Chinese takeout yesterday. And the funny thing happened. I opened my fortune cookie. And there was that little strip in there, and the fortune cookie said it was just a weather balloon. Now, what's the chances of finding that in your fortune cookie? I'm wondering. You know, Chinese takeouts dot our landscape. They're all over in every state. Could there be any connection, uh, you know, where the – The Chinese takeouts are uploading information to the balloon, and the balloon is sending down like new recipes for General Tso's chicken and stuff like that. Yeah, you think there's any foundation for that? Mm,
1: No, no.
0: The The other hand, uh, if Americans are really concerned about uh, being surveilled, maybe they should shut down their Alexa units. Alexa, turn on WNBF. Alexa. Spy on me. Alexa, turn off your Alexa unit if you're concerned about surveillance. There's more surveillance going on of Americans through Alexa than anything that thing a hot air did last week. Come on, man.
4: Well, Bob, you know what? I know you're a word guy. And uh, there was there's a new euphemism that is connected to this balloon incident. Uh, the head of uh, the northern norad a uh, general up, one of our generals there referred to what happened uh, and our misstep with it he referred to the problem as a domain awareness gap that's what we had we had we didn't we didn't have them breaking through our defenses we had a domain awareness gap i like that
0: yeah orwell is alive and well the problem, the problem, whether it's military or government or business or nonprofits and even individuals these days, people won't just tell it like it is. Remember when, the goal, of the language, just tell it like it is. They put out a, a statement yesterday regarding school security in the area. The first five or six lines didn't tell anything like it is. It was the, it was the buildup of how. Security is important and how much we value our students or something. It's like, just cut to the chase. Why are all the cops in front of all the schools? Don't, don't give me all this warm, fuzzy stuff. We know you care about the students. We know. That's why you're school administrators. Just put out the information we need. Why are all the cops out in front of the school? Why can't the kids go out and have lunch? Just tell us give us three sentences just tell us the truth and that should apply to school administrators it should apply to government officials law enforcement military businesses nonprofits and individuals when something happens just tell us quickly what the problem is or what the situation is we can handle the truth if we want some of your puffy little language which we don't by the way We don't want it. This applies for news releases of all sorts. Most news releases could be boiled down to probably about three or four sentences. Tell us the essential information right up front if you have other opinions, editorials, if you want to accuse people of lying, put that on page two or three.
4: Well, Bob, it's uh, Orwell again. It's Newspeak. It, it, it's right.
0: right, and it's it keeps yeah. getting worse. Orwell, Orwell gave us the warning well in advance of 1984, and it's only gotten worse since then. I think when 1984 was released, a lot of people figured, well, that'll never happen. Well, it did, and now with each successive year, it's getting worse, and there's apparently nothing we can do about it. The people who work for us won't take responsibility. They're always trying to cover their... And, you know, it's just so tiring. It's no wonder. Ron from Binghamton, it's no wonder people are so cynical.
4: Well, Bob, you know, I was watching the news this morning. By the way, uh, the new network the news nation uh, that is pretty good that's the one that Cuomo's on now Chris Cuomo and Dan Abrams uh, I like it yeah that's a
0: next production next star is, is it a next uh, uh, production uh,
4: today today uh, one of the newscasters was uh, referring to the state of the Union and got into the things that are uh, our, our president Uh, wants to do beyond uh, infrastructure, that he was working on other things. And the term that she used in describing uh, Biden's state of mind right now, she said he is relentlessly focused. And I said, what? The last time he was relentlessly focused was probably 1978 relentlessly focused i i mean that that's a term that i don't i don't think you could put together with joe biden do you
0: sure he's relentlessly focused on where to hide the confidential documents before they find the rest
4: he's relentlessly focused on where his reading glasses were and and uh, whether he zipped up you know that's uh <laughs> but uh, anyway uh, I, I do want to just close, if I may, Bob. You know, one of our favorite uh, quotes is uh, from Sapphire, nattering nabob of negativism. Uh, I've got one uh, to describe you now on the air because we know you're definitely not a nattering nabob. Uh, what do you think of this? A persistent purveyor of positivity.
0: I would go with that.
4: Would you? Yeah.
0: And uh, and also we could come up with uh, a future phrase about something to do, not just with positivity, but also reality. Because my goal is to impart a sense of reality every day. And I get a sense that, you know, there's one of me, and then the, as they say, the powers that be that put out these just incredible statements And when I say incredible, that means not credible. When they put out these statements, trying to puff themselves up before they tell us what the actual news is, it's no wonder. Just, again, wouldn't it be nice? How about for the month of March, every agency, every department, every school district, every nonprofit, and every individual, during the month of March release actual news releases with actual news. Put the news on page one, and then say, if you want to see our opinions about the news, go to the following pages. You know, there's no need. You know, if you're putting out news releases, the point is, tell the truth, and nothing but the truth. The facts. Remember Joe Friday? Just the facts. And then if you want to opine, put it on pages 2 through 99. These are now our opinions about the people we don't like and why. But page 1, for all news releases, should just contain the facts and a full accounting of the facts. Maybe it'll take more than one page. Put it all up front, and then after you've reported the facts, then say, for our opinion... And what we think about the people that we're writing about,
4: continue to read. Well, Bob, the the new the twenty four seven news channels and uh, the social media sell things, and what they sell and what sells are opinions, not facts anymore. We we uh, we we look for opinions, and uh, we're, we don't get reporting. We get. Opinions, and that's what that's what uh, we buy. That's what social media is all about. So you know, you know, that's what talk
0: radio is about. People like to share their opinions, and they like to hear other people's opinions. And that's fine. That's a that's a good thing. But people should also pay attention to the facts. That's why we have a talk show from nine to noon every morning, and we also have news. The news is separate from the talk show. And that's the same with cable TV. It doesn't take an incredibly brilliant person to tell the difference between CNN, MSNBC, and Fox opinion shows from 8 to 11 every weeknight. Compare that with their news reporting. It's pretty clear. The average person can tell
4: but we we like uh we like the uh page six stuff we like this of course we do stuff.
0: of course, you know, as far as the New York post page six or t m z or whatever yeah hey i uh, guilty i don't I don't pay that much attention, but do I pay some attention to the gossip you know um what about uh beyonce you know i I saw this article it was an opinion piece in WAPO Washington Post I don't know if I can find it now but this opinion artist in the Washington Post I swear that she wrote this opinion just to make some people mad they even though Beyonce has received more awards than virtually any other person on the earth this Washington Post opinion columnist said her view was that Beyonce was being punished for being too successful. And I'm shaking my head like, what? She's being punished for being too successful? And I read the whole thing and I was still shaking my head. Beyonce is not being punished for her success. She's being honored for her tremendous success. Some would suggest maybe she's being honored too much. Because more than a musician or a songstress, she's an entertainer and some people are suggesting that she's received far too many awards in competitions that used to traditionally focus on the music but they say that she's actually gotten more awards because she's a complete entertainer and and yet this woman who wrote in the washington post On the website yesterday was was making some sort of claim that Beyonce was being punished for her success. Uh, What? How is that even? That's the Washington Post. Maybe maybe Jeff Bezos had better sell it if he's going to allow that kind of opinion. Well, you know, the woman was entitled to her opinion. I just found it intriguing. You know what? Now I think about it, I think she just wanted the clicks. I think she wanted to come up with something so outlandish that I would talk about it on the radio program, and it worked.
4: Well, that's how you get the... That's how, you get the that's how it works,
0: man. We're in, a yep. click, we're in a click-based society, and don't you forget it. Thank you, Ron. It's 927. Go click at WNBF.com. You'll be glad you did. Hi, WNBF 927, you're on the air. What's your first name and where are you calling from?
5: I'm John. I'm I'm calling on the telephone.
0: Oh, um, I'm sorry. I'd, that doesn't count anymore. No, no. No.
5: I'd, no. I'd like to give my opinion on the radio.
0: <laughs> oh, okay. How, uh, how how quaint and old-fashioned. What's your opinion, John?
5: Well, my opinion concerns this planning meeting on this illegal marijuana shop. Uh, I think it's the height of presumption that someone goes in to a location without the proper approval uh, and then uh, goes to the Planning Commission as an afterthought. Uh, This fella, and I know him and he's a great guy, this fella uh, seems to uh, think that he's entitled to uh, do whatever he wants uh because he's a, a legal marijuana operator uh including local rules now i just and i'm leaving marijuana out i just want to talk about planning planning and i want to talk about a really not even a full block of court street but uh, from a commercial alley say uh up to where uh, the branch bank is on court street now, this is in the proximity and across the street from Security Mutual. As you know, years ago, the insurance company was concerned about the block across the street on Court Street, spent substantial sums uh, with Mark Newman to redevelop those storefronts to to, to stop the decline uh, in their massive investment in the city of Binghamton. Uh, and it was successful. Now, some of the decay was based on the fact that when Security Mutual went to an in-house cafeteria, that reduced the lunch business, so the Argo and, and places like that were gone. Now, if you go up to where this legal marijuana shop is, it's essentially across the street from the courthouse. Now, there is absolutely no guarantee that any business stay in the city of Binghamton. And the last massive business in the city of Binghamton is the insurance company.
0: Is Boscow uh, still downtown, or have they left?
5: No, they're, they're negotiating.
0: Are they preparing an exit strategy? You would know. You, you've been an observer of the Binghamton scene for a while. It appears, in fact, I've heard uh, local officials use the word difficult. Boscov's officials were being difficult when it comes to hammering out a new long-term lease. And what I took that to mean was they're maybe preparing an exit strategy. Do you think that's likely?
5: Uh, yes. Only because uh, the parking that exists right now, uh, with uh, you, you can't possibly run that store uh, uh, you know, as bad as that parking ramp was, it did accommodate uh, their their customers. You, you can't
0: pop- Right. It had, a, it had, I think, almost 600 fine spaces, although from time to time they closed off sections when they felt those sections were hazardous to the health well, of the shoppers.
5: Here's here's the other, other thing is uh, they're not locked into downtown Binghamton. They can be very successful uh, in other places, and there's plenty of spots...
0: Why don't they go to the mall? There's still room over at the mall. Why don't they call up uh, the guys well, in charge of the mall and do a deal? That would be like well, the final piece of the mall puzzle. You get a, a well, chicken shack. You get uh, uh, Bob's um, Fun Club with cheap gas and uh, well, Richard's House of Sports. And I'm telling you, well, it's, it's a complete well, package.
5: Well, you know, Newman knows when these leases expire. He's the he
0: does. He's plugged in. And By yeah. the way, he listens to the program too. So there's that. I mean, if as if he wasn't already thinking about it, for all I know, he's uh, been t- taking meetings with Jim Boscoff and you know, that they're wouldn't that be? Wouldn't that be just just the, the final nail to have them announce? That that they've decided, and and with all appreciation for the last uh, decades of uh, support from downtown Binghamton, that uh, as as Boscos opens up a fine new chapter, that we've decided for the 21st century, we're going to move to the Oakdale Mall. Wouldn't that be? Wouldn't that be something?
5: Vestal Parkway is also in play. So yeah. Yeah, they. they well maybe they
0: could open up too. Boscov's at the mall and Boscos on the Parkway, and they yeah. they could put a big sign at where the current department store is that'll be turned into student housing with well, 290 new beds for students. They could put up a sign the maps of where the new Broom County Boscov's locations well, are.
5: Again, again, let's let me just get back to this marijuana thing because I think this is crucial. Uh. In the planning, the planning of it. Now, the other fellow that won the license, I guess he's going to go up to Ithaca uh, with his license. I guess it's portable. So there's no, uh, you know, there's no reason why that location, other than the fact that, you know, there's been money invested without planning uh, uh, approval. Uh, there's no reason for that store to be there. Now, what I would like to see is a letter from the head of Security Mutual Saying that he approves of this project. Now, if that happened, then I'd say, okay, if if they want to sign their own death warrant, that that's okay to me. But what I'm what I'm saying is this, Bob: some part of downtown has to be reserved uh, for people in suits and ties in business, whether they're in the law or whether they're in finance or you know what's left of it in business. This is part of the hustle and bustle of a downtown, of a diversified downtown. If you put zombies, stoned zombies, across the street from uh, the courthouse in a near proximity of the last big business, uh, I think uh, you've done a tremendous disservice to all the existing property owners in Broome County. Again, it's not about marijuana, it is not about this fella doing business. But what it is about is that the block for it, will that block be enhanced or and the block next to it up the street.
6: Well, by the born. way,
0: right now the city of Binghamton is not in a position to be choosy. So the city well, of Binghamton, well, if you look at the our current situation, city of Binghamton, will probably be in a position of taking anything uh, in terms of downtown development, even wow. whether whether it's going to further, whether it's part of a long-term strategy. Let's face it; there's no evidence that Binghamton has a long t- long-term plan for downtown. the The plan for downtown is basically, you know, to put up the uh, police. Temporary no parking signs when the moving trucks arrive. When well, when the next business moves out for be, for greener pastures.
5: Well, well, well. Here's my point. Here's my point. Today, the planning commission will make a decision, or maybe they'll reserve decision. But are you willing to bet that the Security Mutual Insurance Company and the law firm in that building? Because we've lost law firms downtown. So don't say it can't happen. And we've lost insurance companies. One may remember their big insurance company on Main Street.
0: I remember one time we even had a bank that was based in downtown Binghamton for over a century. We lost that.
5: So here's the point. Is the little revenue that's going to come in from this pot shop going to be uh, worth possibly devastating those blocks enough to drive the insurance company and the law firm out of downtown Binghamton. That's the question.
0: What if the law firm moved over to the mall?
5: Well, again, we have seen the law firm already, a major law firm. Right. Two, two major law so what firms. So
0: what if the people who are developing the new mall do a deal, a 10-year lease, that's, as they say, too good to pass up? What do we do then? Well, so was, could they ever turn that building into student housing? I mean, they did the press building. I I was shocked when they initially proposed student housing for the press building. I didn't think any, any uh, proud structure downtown that was built in 1904 could be turned into student housing, and yet there it is. Well,
5: here's the thing. If the office building wasn't getting the pilot. And the student housing did, then you blame the IDA for that nonsense. But the the, the problem.
0: Well, is, even the IDA left downtown Binghamton. They used to have, uh, didn't they? Have their headquarters right here near the station? Did didn't they move out to the town of Dickerson?
5: The IDA and and the Chamber of Commerce, right? And this is what I'm saying. Either you have a business center. I, I, I'll tell you something. You know, you'll be surprised. Uh, On on the decline, how – look, drugs ruin everything. They ruin everything that comes into their midst. And I don't care legal or illegal how you police it. Those blocks are not pristine right now. Uh, you know, you can open up bars and you can open up nightlife anywhere. It doesn't have to be in downtown Binghamton. And you've got walkways now. You've got uh, all. You've got potential competition from Johnson City. So look, <laughs> I it is absolutely in, insane, insane to bet that block. And then I'll tell you what you you want to satisfy my reservations again about where this thing is located not the business itself then produce me a letter from MNT bank produce me a letter from security mutual to say they're on board <laughs>
3: <laughs> thank
0: you john uh, it'll be a cold day in newark valley 939 this is bob joseph live wnbf the phone number is 607-772-1290 feel free to share your thoughts on WNBF. 941 WNBF, WNBF WNBF.com. Anything new about the balloons? (laughs) And now they say uh, she's judgment is questioned after balloon. So who wrote this? Somebody from Joe Biden Enterprises? Could be. It's on the front page of the New York Times. So maybe they sent this over to... David Pearson of the times she's judgment is questioned after balloon mistake or bold stunt raises eyebrows the Chinese balloon that bumbled its way across the United States has lost a thousand questions about its real intent so that's the spin now from the spin doctors it bumbled the Chinese balloon that was spying on you and me and other great Americans. It bumbled its way across the USA. David Pearson's award winning story about the fold in the Times says it's also focusing the world's attention on the prospect that the communications and control within Chinese leader Xi Jinping's government and his vaunted security apparatus may be less coherent or even less functional than the image he so confidently projects. All right, that's the latest from Balloon Radio, WNBF. All balloons, all the time. And then, of course, people are flipping out. No, Sean, not literally. Figuratively, people are flipping out about the spy balloons that weren't detected under the previous management, I had the pleasure of tuning in to uh, Mark Levin on the radio on Monday evening. Very enjoyable. And he had whipped himself into a broadcast frenzy about the balloon, the spy balloon. And I'm thinking, Mark, Mark. The Chinese government, the American government, and probably other governments are always spying on everyone, all t- at all times, twenty-four-seven. So, what made this balloon so special? But anyway, he seemed fit to be tied. I thought he, I thought he was going to go completely overboard. He even used some language that I found colorful—the type of language I. Would not use on this proud radio station. So Mark Levin is having um, having a difficult time coping with the spy balloon. I'm not really sure what the spy balloon found out about the United States last week that the Chinese government couldn't already have found out using satellite technology or TikTok or Alexa they already know. And actually, if you're concerned about people getting secrets, be even more concerned about Google, or Apple, or Microsoft. They're the ones that are doing most of the spying on us. But one of the things that really frosted Levin's flakes were these allegations that there had been spy balloons from China Uh, Going across the United States under the previous management with the guy who now resides in Florida. And Levin said at one point something about the military. He doesn't respect the United States military. I find it fascinating that Mark Levin on the radio doesn't respect the U.S. military, he doesn't respect the FBI. The CIA, the DEA, he doesn't respect anybody. He has no respect for any authority, it appears. And at one point last night, Mark Levin on the radio, I believe, said something to the effect all of the military people who were in power during the previous management, before Joe Biden took over as our manager, that all the people military people who were in charge under the previous management that they ought to be court-martialed because of the news that Chinese love balloons were flying over this great land. And I'm thinking, Mark Levin on the radio, show some respect for our military. Show some respect for law enforcement. I thought I thought Mark Levin on the radio was a person who actually respected authority, but maybe not as much as one might have anticipated. 947, Bob Joseph on the radio on a Tuesday morning, 607-772-1290. This is News Radio, WNBF, 921 FM, 1290 AM, always available on the free WNBF app. 49 WNBF with Bob Joseph.
3: Go to the dark clouds that had me blind. It's going to be bright, bright, bright,
0: bright day. Joined now by Karen Sweet O'Neill with a sneak preview of tomorrow's weekly advice segment. Good morning.
7: Good morning, Bob. I like the music. It's lovely. Yeah, it is. It's okay.
0: It's Peppy.
7: peppy. Happy, catchy, yes. all those things.
0: Yeah, we love it. What are you going to talk about tomorrow morning at about 9.20? Um,
7: about 9.20, we're going to talk about Social Security. When do you take it?
1: <sighs>
7: what if you take it early? How much do you leave on the table? What if you want to work? How much can you work and not give it back? Because there's thresholds for everything, Bob. And does it make sense? Depends on your situation. What are the, and it's not really a penalty, but what are the reduced amounts that are going to, you know, be on the table if you take your Social Security before your FRA, which that acronym means the full retirement age. And, of course, that depends on when you were born and what your full retirement age would be, whether it's 66 or 67 or what have you and all of those things because it's so important it's one of the biggest decisions people make in retirement or you know even if they're partially retired because they want to do something they want to work they want to contribute and they want to make some money on the side so how much can you make and not get penalized all those things we're going to talk about
0: all right well i'll be here in the meantime if people want to get in touch with kso insurance solutions investal what's the best way
7: They can give us a call at 607-772-4898. They can Google us at KSO Insurance. All our contact information will come up or simply go to a phone book. And we have a big display ad under insurance in the yellow pages.
0: Karen Sweet O'Neill. we will talk tomorrow morning right about 920 or so. Sounds great. Thanks, Bob. Thank you. 952, it's Bob Joseph live in Living Color on your radio on WNBF you want- new NBF story in the nation and the world from a little radio studio in a place called Parlor City, New York. This is Bob Joseph live on your Tuesday morning. I am a Beverly in the town of Dickinson, good morning. You're on the air.
3: i like to, I like to thank you, Bob, for writing that article about the bridge. I appreciate it.
0: Well, thank you, know,
3: you. Everyone knows.
0: Yeah, the DOT just basically said, uh, well, you saw what they said. They said, ah, it's too too dangerous. It. it the upshot was it was too hazardous for them to uh, keep it open during the winter, so they closed it.
3: Right. Yeah. and I guess they're gonna they're gonna they're they're gonna continue on on th- on taking it down. Right. I just it, got off the phone with the town hall.
0: Yeah, that not nothing can stop it now. Even though on the letter they sent you, it said uh, feel free to give us uh, you know comments, and they had the phone number for the comment line. But it, it's all an exercise in futility. No matter how many comments they get, they're still going to tear it down and not replace it.
3: Yeah, well, that's uh, quite a way for people to walk. Yeah, well. If they got walkers.
0: Yeah, well, especially if you want to get to Otzeningo Park easily.
3: Yeah, yeah, well, you got to walk all the way around. Got to walk all the way around to to down there uh, where Brevere Street Bridge is in order to get to the park.
0: Well, the good news for the DOT people who made the decisions, they have nice cars and trucks. So they don't have to worry about that. No, that's true. You know, they. they, They're
3: doing a report
0: on that. All right. Well, I thought that's the least I could do since nobody else had reported that they're tearing down, after 55 years, they're tearing down your bridge. So, anyway, I'm sorry.
3: Okay. Okay. Thank you, pal.
0: Yeah. Well, I wish I could do something, but obviously I'm just one person. Can't fight the DOT, Bob Joseph said on NBF. Bob Joseph live on News Radio WNBF,
8: where news breaks first. News Radio 1290, WNBF.
2: Good morning on this Tuesday, February 7th. You're listening to WNBF. The Binghamton Planning Commission will hold a public hearing on the city's first licensed cannabis retail store. The shop to be operated by On Point Cannabis at 75 Court Street is expected to open soon. The site has been home to Just Breathe, a business that has been selling hemp-derived products since the summer of 2021. Owner Damien Cornwell was awarded one of New York State's first retail marijuana licenses last November. Cornwell initially had hoped to begin cannabis sales in early January, but the preparation work to meet state requirements has taken longer than anticipated. Cornwell discussed some details of the operation during a Planning Commission meeting a few weeks ago. The Commission has scheduled a public hearing on the site plan review and a special use permit for the new business. The session is set for today at 5.50 p.m. in the Binghamton City Council Chambers City Hall. A sign at Just Breathe on Monday afternoon indicated the place is closed until Friday. Cornwell was not available to comment on the revised schedule for launching cannabis sales. A walkway over Interstate 81 linking homes in the Sunrise Terrace neighborhood with Otsuningo Park in the town of Dickinson will be removed soon. The pedestrian bridge between Bevere Street and Old Front Street opened for use in January 1968. The State Department of Transportation shut down the walkway without advance notice to the public a few years ago. Town Supervisor Michael Marinaccio said there are more than 300 homes in the Sunrise Terrace development located to the west of the pedestrian bridge. The DOT sent a letter to residents and business operators informing them of what the agency described as an upcoming bridge project. The message explains the project will entail the removal of the walkway. According to the letter from the agency's Andrew Stiles, winter maintenance of the aging structure had become increasingly hazardous, so the decision was made to close the bridge. According to the Evening Press, the walkway cost $312,000 to construct. Over its nearly 55-year lifespan, the bridge was used by a relatively small number of walkers, bicyclists, and skateboarders. The letter noted a new pathway for pedestrians was recently constructed along Front Street. The DOT planned to remove the old bridge during the upcoming construction season. Some nighttime work will be required for the project. It's not known when the removal will occur. In a press release on Monday, City of Binghamton Mayor Jared Cram announced nearly $197,000 in funding for a number of local nonprofits. 14 local nonprofits will receive funding from the Federal Community Development Block Grant. Among those receiving the most funding are the Police Athletic League, receiving $25,000 for capital upgrades to PAL Camp, Metro Interfaith, receiving $20,000 for housing counseling and referral program and Discovery Center receiving $18,666 for capital upgrades to Story Garden's amphitheater. Mayor Cram stated this funding is going directly to the local nonprofits that provide residents of every age with critical services, like after-school programming, job readiness training, and help for first-time homeowners. By supporting our community partners and the invaluable work that they do on behalf of residents, the City is investing in the well-being of those who live and work here. Achieve Action for Older Persons, American Civic Association, Binghamton Adult Education, Binghamton Housing Authority, Broome County Urban League, CARES, Mothers and Babies Perinatal Network, Tri-Cities Opera, and Vines will also receive funding from the Federal Community Development Block Grant. In Broome County Court, Johnny Hardwick, age 41, of Binghamton, pled guilty to felony attempted robbery in the second degree. He will be sentenced to 12 years to life in New York State Prison on April 26th. Hardwick admitted that on October 21, 2022, he entered Weiss Markets on Pennsylvania Avenue in Binghamton and stole merchandise. When confronted by a store employee, Hardwick pulled out a large knife, threatening the worker. He was apprehended by the Binghamton Police Department a short time later. Due to Hardwick's lengthy violent criminal record that includes felony convictions for sexual abuse in the first degree in 2011 in Broome County and attempted robbery in the first degree in 2002 in New York City. He is classified as a persistent violent felony offender under new york state law michael korjak broom county district attorney said defendant hardwick's criminal history began in queens in 2000 he has made no effort to lead a law-abiding life therefore it is necessary to protect the citizens of our community for a lengthy period of time this sentence accomplishes that a small earthquake in western new york yesterday jolted people awake but apparently caused no significant damage The U.S. Geological Survey preliminarily reported a magnitude 3.8 earthquake centered east of Buffalo at about 6.15 a.m. on Monday. A seismologist says it matched the intensity of the strongest earthquake the region has seen in 40 years of available records. That's a quake that was recorded in 1999. The shaking lasted only a few seconds but sent residents unaccustomed to earthquakes to social media in search of an explanation. Erie County Executive Mark Polonkars tweeted that the quake was felt in at least a 30-mile radius. Police say an 82-year-old woman who was pronounced dead at a New York nursing home was found to be breathing three hours later at the funeral home where she had been taken. The woman was pronounced dead Saturday morning at Waters Edge Rehab and Nursing Center at Port Jefferson on Long Island. No update on her condition was available Monday. The matter was referred to the state attorney general's office for investigation. A new report says nearly 150 New York City police officers committed misconduct including using excessive force, while responding to the 2020 protests over the killing of George Floyd. The report, released Monday by the city's Civilian Complaint Review Board, also says many officers disciplined by the police department received punishment that was less than the panel recommended, and some were not disciplined at all. The board says more than 600 complaints could not be investigated because officers could not be identified. The NYPD objected to many of the report's conclusions and said it omitted the fact that officers were responding to dangerous situations while protecting the city. Crews in Ohio have released toxic chemicals from five cars of a derailed train near the Pennsylvania state line to reduce the threat of an explosion. Flames and black smoke billowed high into the sky from the derailment site. Norfolk Southern Railway confirmed Monday evening that the cars were draining and that burning was underway as planned. Authorities were monitoring the air quality to make sure that toxic fumes weren't spreading. Ohio's governor earlier ordered residents near the site to evacuate because of the risk of death or serious injury. Officials believe most have left. Pennsylvania's governor said residents of that state near the derailment site also had left, but he urged people within a two-mile radius to keep their doors and windows closed as a precaution. National Weather Service forecast for downtown Binghamton. Today, chance of showers after 5 p.m., increasing clouds with a high near 41 degrees, a 30% chance of rain. Tonight, chance of showers mainly before 9 p.m., mostly cloudy with a low near 33 degrees, 50% chance of rain. Tomorrow, cloudy, then gradually becoming mostly sunny with a high near 40 degrees. Tomorrow night, increasing clouds with a low near 26. Thursday, freezing rain likely before 10 a.m., then rain, a high near 43 degrees, a 90% chance of rain, Thursday night, chance of showers before 1 a.m. Cloudy with a low near 39 degrees, 40% chance of rain. You're listening to WMBF, where news breaks first. News Radio 1290, WMBF, WMBF.com, and 92.1 FM. WMBF.
0: Tuesday morning. And this is the station that still has the audacity to provide you with a live local talk program. How many stations in America actually do that? Monday through Friday, three-hour program, taking phone calls and interviewing people with a guy who promises to always ask a few questions. I am that guy. I'm Bob Joseph. You're listening to News Radio WNBF and WNBF.com. 607-772-1290 607-772-1290 if you'd like to express your opinion. Remember, you don't have to agree. You just have to call in and tell us a little bit about what you're thinking this morning. That's what I want to know from you. What are you thinking this morning? We talked a bit on Monday's program about raising the speed limits in New York State because that guy from Big Flats thinks that would be a good way to reduce crashes. So. Um, We could talk more about that. As I observed in discussing the proposal by a Republican senator to raise the speed limit on some roadways to 70, I don't think it's going to have much of an impact on people listening to this program, or, for that matter, most people driving. The speed limit's been at 65 now for quite a few years. It doesn't seem to have any real... Bearing on how fast people are driving, 70, 75, put, hey, my concern isn't really about the possibility of increasing the speed limit. My concern is how many thousands of dollars will they use to put in new signs that have the speed limit change from 65 to 70? That's, I think, the biggest issue is a cost issue. It's not a question people wind up going faster on New York State highways, they're going to go as fast as they want. They already do. I'd say uh, maybe five or ten percent of the people out there driving right now take the speed limit signs seriously. So, you know, why, why go to the trouble and expense of putting up new signs, unless they're getting kickbacks from the Speed Limit Sign Makers Union, well, maybe that explains it. Maybe maybe the people supporting the higher speed limit are getting campaign contributions from the union that employs the good people who fabricate New York speed limit signs. And by the way, I'm all in favor of jobs. If it's strictly a jobs measure, then go ahead and say it. Why don't we change all the speed limits to all different speed limits so every speed limit sign in the state can be replaced, and that could mean hundreds of additional jobs for good patriotic sign makers. So, but anyway, if you want a higher speed limit, if you want it 70, who knows? are probably some people listening. Make it 80. Make it like Montana. Montana used to have, I think a speed limit in Montana was there was none. I think the state law in Montana, especially for people who are living out in the woods in some sort of a shack with no electricity, I think the speed limit generally was something called reasonable and prudent. Why don't we just make it like that? Reasonable and prudent. That way it'll be up to um, law enforcement to decide if you're driving at a reasonable and prudent speed for the conditions. Why go to all the expense of all these speed limit signs? Plus, we're trying to keep people employed with good, high-paying, great-benefit jobs in the lucrative sign-making industry. Ten sixteen WNBF. Here's a story from Albany. Carl Hasty. Whatever happened to him? I, I had high hopes. I had very high hopes for Carl Hasty when he took over as the assembly speaker in um, Albany. I thought, well, that's great. That's just great. And one of the things that I thought was encouraging when he became Assembly Speaker, one of the places he actually stopped when he was doing his Upstate Goodwill tour was right here at the WNBF radio studio. And I remember standing right here and interviewing Speaker Hasty on the program and that was, believe it or not, about eight years ago. He hasn't been back since, but I gave him a lot of credit for showing up in the first place. And I want to also acknowledge the only reason that happened was because Assemblywoman Donna Lopardo um, pushed for it. So that was the main reason that Carl Hasty knew that WNBF existed. So... Um, when he came to Binghamton, he was here on the program for maybe 15 or 20 minutes. I thought it was a great interview and had high hopes. I had very, very high hopes for Carl Hasty at the time. Again, remember, that was nearly eight years ago. That was July 2015. He seemed to be a person who actually would answer questions. I think he did back then. But something has happened since then. And Carl Hastie uh, has made it clear he doesn't like reporters. Which means he's in the majority of the people in the state legislature who really don't like or don't appreciate reporters. There's a column in the Times Union newspaper today in Albany. Does Carl Hasty want reporters around? That's the question posed by columnist Chris Churchill. Probably not, but that's no excuse for restricting access at the Capitol. So the Albany Times Union columnist writes, New York lawmakers last month returned to a Capitol in which restrictions in place since the start of COVID were at last lifted. It felt like old times, observers said. The building felt alive again. But there's at least one place in the Capitol where limitations introduced during the pandemic remain intact. The Assembly Chamber and adjacent areas where access for reporters grew more restricted. As the Legislative Correspondents Association noted in a letter sent to Assembly Speaker Carl Hasty, the restrictions on reporter movement were a reasonable limit during the pandemic but it's unreasonable that they remain even as similar restrictions in the state senate and capitol buildings around the country have ended so the guy who is president of the legislative correspondence association zach williams who is a reporter for the new york post He wrote, the members of the association appeal to you on behalf of our readers, viewers, and listeners to restore pre-pandemic access to the assembly chamber and adjacent areas. He later added that the issue of access, quote, tests your commitment to transparency. Well, as we've said before on this program, transparency, (laughs) ha, anytime, any person in the public spotlight uses the word transparency or in the interest of being transparent be alert that's a buzzword and what it means is you're not going to get the whole story you'll get portions of the story so testing your commitment to transparency well I don't think Carl Hasty, or for that matter i As far as I know, no assembly speaker in my lifetime or no Senate majority leader in Albany or no governor of New York. I don't believe anyone has ever been completely transparent, especially ones who talk about complete transparency. Those are the people you need to keep the closest eye on. All sorts of people at all levels of government and business talk about transparency and what that means is they're going to give you a little bit of information and spin it in a way that they hope will satisfy you and cause reporters to just leave so sadly reporters who are covering the state assembly no longer have access To our lawmakers including carl hasty and donna lapardo and other members of the assembly the type of access they used to have before the pandemic and zach williams the reporter for the new york post points out reporters were once able to interview lawmakers in their assembly seats williams said he's become convinced that carl hasty just doesn't want reporters around asking difficult questions and Chris Churchill in his column in the Albany Times Union this morning says I'm sure he doesn't few politicians do most would prefer that their decisions go unchallenged or be met with happy agreeable questions such as what is it mister speaker that allows you to be so wise how is it that you so consistently do what's best for New York Chris Churchill also writes the good politicians And in parentheses, he writes, yes, there are some good politicians understand that taking difficult questions from reporters and the public is a duty for the office. That sounds like something I've been saying. Doing so leads to better government. Few things are worse for democracy than elected officials who have insulated themselves from tough queries and criticism as if they're kings and queens. And as Zach Williams, the reporter for the New York Post, noted, access is often key to understanding what's really going on. Reporters benefit from being on scene, and they are supposed to be the eyes and ears of the public. At any rate, it just goes to show more things change the more they remain the same. Chris Churchill from the Times Union asked Hastie's office to explain the restrictions and why they're in place. He writes, I didn't expect to receive an answer. It would be fitting after all if the speaker was unwilling to answer questions about his apparent unwillingness to answer questions. But his spokesman Michael Weiland in a terse email did respond to assert that quote reporters still have the same access they've always had in the chamber a claim that Zach Williams and others dispute. Williams called it gaslighting, adding that press access within the chamber is not the same as it was before the pandemic and any insistence otherwise is disingenuous. Well, there's more. You can read the entire Chris Churchill column at the timesunion.com website. Transparency in New York State? Mm, no. No. Not now? Not ever. 607-772-1290. I'm Bob Joseph. I always have a few questions, and the good elected officials are willing to answer those questions right here at News Radio WNBF, 92.1 FM, 1290 AM, and streaming at WNBF.com. I got this. in pocket. I got battle. I am gonna use
3: it.
2: Intention.
3: I'm
2: feeling mental. Gonna make you, make you, make you notice. I got motion. I'm a motion. I've been diving.
0: 1028 Bob Joseph live at WNBF and WNBF.com. Oh, this is just in on uh, the Binghamton homepage by Jim Emke, a founder of a local organization. This is true. It's Jim Emke reporting at Binghamton homepage.com, news channel. 34 WIVT WBGH, a founder of a local organization that serves people with Down syndrome, will be in attendance during President Biden's State of the Union address. Congressman Mark Molinero has chosen Anna Bruce, a founder and board vice president for Gigi's Playhouse Southern Tier, as his special guest this evening. Bruce, whose 11 year old son, Camden, has Down syndrome, was instrumental in bringing a Gigi's Playhouse to Vestal back in 2019. The nonprofit group is now raising funds to move to a larger facility. Congressman Molinero is a champion for the rights of the disabled, having himself a daughter on the autism spectrum. Bruce said the Southern Tier chapter, which operates as its own organization, had. 6,000 hours of program participation last year. She says, your motto is, for participants and volunteers alike, best of all. She said, that simply means doing a little better than the day before. So that's the news from the Binghamton homepage with uh, Jim Emke. So thank you, Mr. Emke. For that. Let me take a look at what else is going on. So we, uh, scan. Scan. Um, story. Hmm. On Fox 40, a woman from Florida is battling over $13,000 in refunds from a Vesta landlord. Hmm. Alright, I'll have to look that up. Tyler Cunnington, recording there at Fox 40. Let's see, Action News. (coughs) I mean, 12 News. Uh, Governor Hochul announces plans to boost the economy in central New York. Well, I saw part of this on on TV with uh, Governor Hochul telling how she wants to create more jobs and boost the central New York economy. She was in Syracuse. According to Emanuela Justine-Pierre for 12 News, the governor said this budget includes investments which will increase housing supply and expand economic opportunity and innovation in the region. So I guess that means everything is well for (laughs) central New York, thanks to Governor Hochul. shouldn't mention how we're going to have to pay for that. Audacious Stadium for those people who live in Florida. Checking my favorite website, WNBF.com, a story that makes the allegation Binghamton is one of the most affordable places for a V-Day date. So if you're looking for a cheap V-Day date, they have that story at WNBF.com. Binghamton, one of the most affordable places for a V-Day date. They also say popular horse show canceled at New York State Fairgrounds. That's on the website. Oh, one of the other stories, and we heard from Beverly in the town of Dickinson about this story, about the DOT's decision to tear down the pedestrian walkway, the convenient link between Sunrise Terrace, and Otzenango Park, they have decided it's too hazardous to maintain and that it's now outlived its useful life. So they will tear down the pedestrian bridge. And in response to one of our uh, listeners who asked a question on Twitter, Eric, when he heard about the story that DOT is going to tear down that great pedestrian bridge between Sunrise Terrace and Atzingo Park. He wrote, when the DOT takes down the footbridge, do you know if a new one will be built? And, of course, I responded, new. (laughs) No, they won't. Absolutely not. The pedestrian bridge will not be replaced. I thought it was funny. This goes to show how when the DOT sends letters instead of announcing, say, in the first sentence when they sent the letter out to people in Sunrise Terrace, instead of just saying, hey, guess what? We're going to tear down the pedestrian bridge. Instead, they said they wanted to let you know about an upcoming bridge project. And then the message goes on to explain the actual bridge project is we're going to remove your walkway. So, again, that's the way they do it. That is the way they do it. An upcoming bridge project. So, for people who just glanced first thing at the letter, they probably thought, oh, good. They're going to repave it and maybe spruce it up. Maybe some nice colors, rainbow colors or something, so it would be more welcoming. An upcoming bridge project. And the letter (laughs) then says, yeah, we're going to take it down because it's become increasingly hazardous to maintain during the winter. So. Let's go back to the phones now at 1034. Bob Joseph live. Good morning. You're on the air. What's your first name? Where are you calling from? This is
1: Bob from Shenango Forks.
0: Hey, what's up, Bob?
1: Well, if i call about a petition I signed the other day at Davies, and it's regarding a release of a murderer, that committed years ago of Sherry Lindsley. Now, every couple of years, it comes up for signing. And I would like to make sure everyone is aware of it and if they can get the petition to sign it. We do not need the murderer back out. He's been in a long time, and I don't want to see him out, and I know the Lindsleys don't either. Now, I grew up on the north side, I lived there 40-something years. I was Dave Lindsay's mother's paperboy, and I was also Jeannie and Dave's paperboy when they first got married. And I was on the north side when it happened. And I remember the north side being locked down and whatever happened, and we don't want them back out. So I want people aware of that.
0: Okay. <laughs> yeah, the uh, Dave Lindsay's been on the program in the past, at least a couple times in the past talking about this when I, I do believe as as you alluded to every every couple years the killer yes. is eligible for parole and and by the way, I know people uh are really frustrated and infuriated by that and I I certainly appreciate it because I've spoken with uh uh, Mr. and Mrs. Lindsay and I know when this comes up every two years, it just reopens the wounds. But I also understand why there is that provision in state law so people can and do get through a, a parole hearing. I personally um, cannot imagine the circumstances where the state parole board would ever release him. Yes. Well,
1: I just want people to be aware right. of it, like I say. Okay. Maybe you get some other callers about it. Oh, I'm. Thank I, you.
0: I suspect we will. Thank you, Bob. I appreciate that. As I said, we've um, in the past <sighs> spoken with uh, David Lindsay about this, and I'm looking at a story I did four years ago. I guess I did. I don't know how many stories over the last several years, so every couple of years, where James Wales that's the person who was convicted of killing Sherry Lindsay, and we won't go into the details, but time and again, he comes up for parole and parole has been denied. Now, if you may have forgotten, or if you weren't around here, back when Sherry Lindsay was killed, the crime, the heinous crime happened in 1984. So it was just about 39 years ago. And again, under the state law, parole hearings do come up on a regular basis. And of course that makes it tough whether it's for Mr. and Mrs. Lindsay or anybody else who was familiar with that whole tragedy it it's just one of those things that it's like clockwork and as I mentioned to Bob I don't I don't see any circumstance, even without uh, a petition from people in the Binghamton area. It's hard to imagine any circumstance where the parole board would say, all right, 39 years later, you no longer represent a threat to the community, so you can go free. But you never know. You never know. It's 1039. This is Bob Joseph. On News Radio WNBF. Uh News Radio
3: 1290 WNBF.
0: 1041, this is Bob Joseph live on News Radio WNBF. 607 772 1290. If you have a few thoughts about local issues or national issues, will you be watching tonight? As President Biden delivers the State of the Union message, join popcorn and your favorite beverage. Of course you will. (laughs) What else is there to watch? Speaking of that, more and more people seem to be dissatisfied with their viewing options. I don't understand why, because all these people who a decade ago were so enthusiastic about cutting the cord, well, I'm going to cut the cord and I don't have to pay uh, you know, the extortionary, extravagant fees to the cable company. And then what happened? Well, then, countless streaming services developed, so all the fine programs that used to be available coming into your home on a single bit of cable... I guess coax or fiber or however, however it works now. So those were the days. Yes, the prices, monthly bills, would always increase, but that's, that was the promise of cable. When they rolled out cable around here back in the day, that was the promise of cable. A, better picture, more channels, and bills that will always increase. That was a given. But basically, basically the whole deal with cable was, it was a single service. So all sorts of excellent programs and then lots of mediocre and poor offerings also came in on that same feed into your home. And then every month you would pay the cable company whatever they told you to pay and everything was good. And then... Somebody came up with the wacky idea of cutting the cord. And so now, if you want to see the very best programs, you have to pay Walt Disney Company and Hulu Company and every other company, Paramount Plus, and you know what I'm saying. So exactly what did we accomplish? We made things infinitely more difficult and complicated And at the same time, it costs a lot more. Say there are one or two programs in particular that you like, and they're on a specific streaming service. So then you pay for that streaming service. Then you find out from your friends, wait, there's another great program, but it's on a different service, and so on and so forth. And before you know it, the number of streaming services that you're locked into Has grown and therefore take a look at how much money you're spending now in 2023 compared to what maybe you were spending a couple years ago or five years ago. Now, some people obviously are saving money. I know some people they cut the cord and they say, Well, I have this little thing, it's called Gonzo or Wacky TV or whatever. And I say, Well, how does that work? And they say, Well, it works. Oh, I don't know. It's They, they have trouble explaining it. I said, well, can you get CNN and Fox on it? Well, no. Well, then what good is it? Well, it's wacky TV. So you can't get the news channels. Well, can you get other good channels that I would like to watch? Well, no, but you can get uh, the cat channel. with all the technology all the advances that have been made over the last fifty years you, know, you look back to a simpler time when the phones were owned by the telephone company and they would never break the audio quality on your phone calls was always stellar calls would never be dropped and TV you had access probably to four channels and there was always something good to watch every night, without fail. Now look at what we've done. 10:46. By the way, I didn't say anything about Chuck Schumer. It's Bob Joseph live on News Radio WNBF and WNBF.com.
8: about saffron, Uh, saffron's mad about
3: me, mama just mad about saffron, she's just mad about me,
8: they call me mellow yellow, quite rightly, they call me mellow yellow, quite rightly, they call me
1: mellow yellow. 10.50
0: 10.50 with Bob Joseph live on WNBF. Back to the phones we go. Good morning. You're on the air. What's your first name? Where are you calling from?
8: Good morning there, Bob. Dave from Vestal. Uh, little Donovan there. That's uh, pretty good. Yeah, they call uh, it Mellow Yellow. Yeah, yeah, Mellow Yellow, <laughs> right. <laughs> Chrissy Hine before there. Wasn't that the Pretenders you had? It was. Yeah, she's the we one
0: were? who uh, gave us the Rush Limbaugh theme.
8: Well, you know what? You know, a lot of people think she's British because pretenders. Uh, I think most of them. Are. I thought
0: she's from Ohio.
8: She is, but a lot of people think. A lot of people for years thought that she was British, but no, she's from Ohio. Yeah, really?
1: people,
8: her father.
0: Her that. father was a big fan of uh, Rush Limbaugh's program, and that was yeah. one of the interesting things. There was a kerfuffle early on because Rush liked the the one song from the pretenders and initially there was a little bit of a kerfuffle because I don't believe Rush or his syndicator had received approval to use that as the theme song but in the end cooler heads prevailed and and Chrissy Hind and Rush Limbaugh uh, reached uh, an agreement and I thought it was interesting and it may not have been the only factor but the truth is Chrissy Hind did appreciate that her song Was being used on a program every hour for whatever decades that was listened to by millions of people. Even if she didn't agree with Rush Limbaugh's worldview, she was very proud that the song received that kind of exposure. And it was especially nice for her that her dad listened to the program every day.
8: Certainly. Yeah. How could she be unhappy about that? No way. Oh, and did I mention royalties? (laughs)
0: <laughs> well cash money also helps make people happy too but i don't think it was the money that made her happy it was just the no. fact that she was recognized by america's foremost talk radio host
8: right hey you know i am I, off track now i even forgot what i was calling about but now you got me on the uh, guys sidetrack me here with music Bob. a little music history you bring up ohio um do you realize that's where, because once in a while you play Walk Away, James Gang, that's where they originated. You know they started in Ohio? Cleveland.
0: I, I didn't know that. I I, I thought they might yeah. have been somewhere in New York State. I had no idea that there no. was an Ohio connection.
8: Cleveland. Cleveland and, and, and Joe Walsh, they formed in uh, 68, I believe. And, and, and you know where he almost ended up, Bob? In 71, a famous guitar player left a certain band. And they offered him the job, and he turned him down and stayed with uh, with James Gang. And that would have been when Peter Frampton left Humble Pie to go on his own. They offered uh, Joe Walsh that job. They wanted him, and he said, no, no thanks. I'm going to stay. Yep. Steve Marriott, the front man, for Humble Pie called him. Really? I remember reading about that. Hmm. Oh, yeah. Yep. But well, anyways,
0: oh, really, by the way, one of the things I'm just looking at a story about the whole the whole thing with um, Rush Limbaugh and the agreement to be able to keep using uh, the pretender song. So this is interesting, and this was actually published uh, shortly after Rush Limbaugh died because Limbaugh was subject to radio broadcast regulation. She was within her rights to pursue him to try to prevent the continued use of her song. But she didn't, and she had a good reason. Her dad, Melville Bud Hind, no relation to Larry (laughs) Bud Melman, he was a Rush Limbaugh fan. She believed in a live-and-let-live approach to politics, even though it sometimes led to family arguments. And Limbaugh, in 19... 97 told reporters he liked playing that song because quote it was written by an environmentalist animal rights wacko and was an anti-conservative song he added it is anti-development anti-capitalist and here i am going to take a liberal song and make fun of them at the same time so that in turn led chrissy Hine to enforce her rights but even then she offered a middle ground no action would result from his breach of licensing if he forwarded all the due royalties to people for the ethical treatment of animals. So Rush Limbaugh's money, more than $100,000, went to PETA, and so he was able to keep playing her theme song, or her song, the Pretenders song that he used as his theme for so many years, and as part Mm -hmm. of the deal, the $100,000 that he paid in rights, considering that the song was heard by millions of people every afternoon. The money, $100,000, went to PETA. And everybody was happy. Yeah, yeah, and Ru- and Rush didn't. Yeah. It, it, it didn't. You know, R- Rush talked about it. He wasn't unhappy. And one of the things about Rush, as I recall, is yes, he was very, very clear in his uh, political opinions and his thoughts. But I think he also understood that in a great country like america there's room for everyone to have an opinion
8: that's right he did believe that you're right and you're right everyone was happy and it went to a great cause i mean right they could use it well
0: everybody loves tasty animals you're right i mean the the problem that some people have now i mean you know bacon at thirty dollars a pound i mean come on man joe
8: did that (laughs) Hey, before you gotta go for the news, I want to ask you real quick. I got a question for you. You saw they reversed that for the military, the va- uh, mandated ma- uh, vaccination. They reversed that, Bob, and don't you feel they're being awful petty now, almost vindictive because it's been reversed. They're, they're making them give back their their signing bonus. Hey, do you believe that's right?
0: Yes, because they
8: disobeyed a direct order. But so, Well, then they should be able to opt out then, because some people, that might have lured them in, Bob. That might about.
0: have, but, you know, if you're going to be part of the military, one of the key things, if you're going to be part of the military, you have to obey the uh, orders. When they issue an order, you must obey. It's not, it's not up for debate. That's why I wouldn't fit in with the military, because every order they would issue, it'd be like, well, how about only on Sundays or something like that. Now, if you're gonna be part of the military, you have to obey the orders, I'm told. This is Bob Joseph live on WNBF. Two
2: six and speak with an attorney.
5: Eight nine attorney spokesperson, Motley Rice attorney Donald A. Migliore is responsible for this ad. Motley Rice LLC is headquartered at 28 Bridgeside Boulevard, Mount Pleasant, South Carolina 29464.
0: Bob Joseph live on a Tuesday morning on WNBF.
8: Where news breaks first. News Radio 1290,
2: WNBF. Good morning on this Tuesday, February 7th. You're listening to WNBF. The Binghamton Planning Commission will hold a public hearing on the city's first licensed cannabis retail store. The shop to be operated by On Point Cannabis at 75 Court Street is expected to open soon. The site has been home to Just Breathe, a business that has been selling hemp-derived products since the summer of 2021. Owner Damian Cornwell was awarded one of New York State's first retail marijuana licenses last November. Cornwell initially had hoped to begin cannabis sales in early January, but the preparation work to meet state requirements has taken longer than anticipated. Cornwell discussed some details of the operation during a Planning Commission meeting a few weeks ago. The Commission has scheduled a public hearing on the site plan review and a special use permit for the new business. The session is set for today at 5.50 p.m. in the Binghamton City Council Chambers at City Hall. A sign at Just Breathe on Monday afternoon indicated the place is closed until Friday. Cornwell was not available to comment on the revised schedule for launching cannabis sales. A walkway over Interstate 81 linking homes in the Sunrise Terrace neighborhood with Otsuningo Park in the town of Dickinson will be removed soon. The pedestrian bridge between Bevere Street and Old Front Street opened for use in January 1968. The State Department of Transportation shut down the walkway without advance notice to the public a few years ago. Town Supervisor Michael Marinaccio said there are more than 300 homes in the Sunrise Terrace development located to the west of the pedestrian bridge. The DOT sent a letter to residents and business operators informing them of what the agency described as an upcoming bridge project. The message explains the project will entail the removal of the walkway. According to the letter from the agency's Andrew Stiles, winter maintenance of the aging structure had become increasingly hazardous, so the decision was made to close the bridge. According to the Evening Press, the walkway cost $312,000 to construct. Over its nearly 55-year lifespan, the bridge was used by a relatively small number of walkers, bicyclists, and skateboarders. The letter noted a new pathway for pedestrians was recently constructed along Front Street. The DOT planned to remove the old bridge during the upcoming construction season. Some nighttime work will be required for the project. It's not known when the removal will occur. In a press release on Monday, City of Binghamton Mayor Jared Cram announced nearly $197,000 in funding for a number of local nonprofits. 14 local nonprofits will receive funding from the Federal Community Development Block Grant. Among those receiving the most funding are the Police Athletic League receiving $25,000 for capital upgrades to PAL Camp. Metro Interfaith receiving $20,000 for housing counseling and referral program and Discovery Center receiving $18,666 for capital upgrades to Story Gardens Amphitheater. Mayor Cram stated this funding is going directly to the local nonprofits that provide residents of every age with critical services, like after-school programming, job readiness training, and help for first-time homeowners. By supporting our community partners and the invaluable work that they do on behalf of residents, the City is investing in the well-being of those who live and work here. Achieve Action for Older Persons, American Civic Association, Binghamton Adult Education, Binghamton Housing Authority, Broome County Urban League, CARES, Mothers and Babies Perinatal Network, Tri-Cities Opera, and Vines will also receive funding from the Federal Community Development Block Grant. In Broome County Court, Johnny Hardwick, age 41 of Binghamton, pled guilty to felony attempted robbery in the second degree. He will be sentenced to 12 years to life in New York State Prison on April 26th. Hardwick admitted that on October 21, 2022, he entered Weiss Markets on Pennsylvania Avenue in Binghamton and stole merchandise. When confronted by a store employee, Hardwick pulled out a large knife threatening the worker. He was apprehended by the Binghamton Police Department a short time later. Due to Hardwick's lengthy violent criminal record that includes felony convictions for sexual abuse in the first degree in 2011 in Broome County and attempted robbery in the first degree in 2002 in New York City. He is classified as a persistent violent felony offender under New York state law. Michael Korchak, Broome County District Attorney, said defendant Hardwick's criminal history began in Queens in 2000. He has made no effort to lead a law-abiding life. Therefore, it is necessary to protect the citizens of our community for a lengthy period of time. This sentence accomplishes that. A small earthquake in western New York yesterday jolted people awake but apparently caused no significant damage. The U.S. Geological Survey preliminarily reported a magnitude 3.8 earthquake centered east of Buffalo at about 6.15 a.m. on Monday. A seismologist says it matched the intensity of the strongest earthquake the region has seen in 40 years of available records. That's a quake that was recorded in 1999. The shaking lasted only a few seconds but sent residents unaccustomed to earthquakes to social media in search of an explanation. Erie County Executive Mark Pollinkars tweeted that the quake was felt in at least a 30-mile radius. Police say an 82-year-old woman who was pronounced dead at a New York nursing home was found to be breathing three hours later at the funeral home where she had been taken. The woman was pronounced dead Saturday morning at Waters Edge Rehab and Nursing Center at Port Jefferson on Long Island. No update on her condition was available Monday. The matter was referred to the state attorney general's office for investigation. A new report says nearly 150 New York City police officers committed misconduct, including using excessive force, while responding to the 2020 protests over the killing of George Floyd. The report, released Monday by the City's Civilian Complaint Review Board, also says many officers disciplined by the police department received punishment that was less than the panel recommended, and some were not disciplined at all. The board says more than 600 complaints could not be investigated because officers could not be identified. The NYPD objected to many of the report's conclusions and said it omitted the fact that officers were responding to dangerous situations while protecting the city. Crews in Ohio have released toxic chemicals from five cars of a derailed train near the Pennsylvania state line to reduce the threat of an explosion. Flames and black smoke billowed high into the sky from the derailment site. Norfolk Southern Railway confirmed Monday evening that the cars were draining and that burning was underway as planned. Authorities were monitoring the air quality to make sure that toxic fumes weren't spreading. Ohio's governor earlier ordered residents near the site to evacuate because of the risk of death or serious injury. Officials believe most have left. Pennsylvania's governor said residents of that state near the derailment site also had left, but he urged people within a two-mile radius to keep their doors and windows closed as a precaution. National Weather Service forecast for downtown Binghamton. Today, chance of showers after 5 p.m., increasing clouds with a high near 41 degrees, a 30% chance of rain. Tonight, chance of showers mainly before 9 p.m., mostly cloudy with a low near 33 degrees, 50% chance of rain. Tomorrow cloudy, then gradually becoming mostly sunny with a high near 40 degrees. Tomorrow night, increasing clouds with a low near 26. Thursday, freezing rain likely before 10 a.m., then rain, a high near 43 degrees, a 90% chance of rain. Thursday night, chance of showers before 1 a.m., cloudy with a low near 39 degrees, 40% chance of rain. You're listening to WMBF, where news breaks first. News Radio 1290, WMBF, WMBF.com, and 92.1 FM.
0: I'm Bob Joseph, live on your Tuesday morning. We will continue to take phone calls from those who want to share their thoughts on the radio. number is 607-772-1290. You can call in even if you have never, ever called a radio program in your life. Again, the number is 607 772 1290. Bob Joseph with you live on News Radio WNBF and WNBF.com. I went back to Ohio. Oh, oh, where to go, Ohio Yeah, I like that. Don't get to hear it very often, but I like it. 11.13 at News Radio, WNBF, just looking at uh, past mistakes that have happened here in downtown Binghamton. I had actually forgotten about this. I was checking for uh, another story. And... I came across this talk about a real debacle and i think the only reason i mention it now is because we we need to keep track of history because if we don't pay attention to mistakes that have been made in the past we're probably destined to repeat them so what happens you may remember if you're old enough kids in binghamton somebody thought it would be a swell idea at one point to put down uh, bricks (laughs) for crosswalks on Court Street. Yes, I remember. I remember at the time thinking well they must know what they're doing if they're gonna put down bricks for the Court Street crosswalks. They thought that was clever and you know for the first few weeks it, it looked quite nice. It really did look quite nice. And then after a few months and a year or two, it looked really, really, really bad. So something that might work, say, in Florida, obviously doesn't work in a place like Binghamton. You put in bricks for crosswalks on Court Street. Well, what do you think is going to happen? Well, and it happened. So there is a story that I just happened to pop up. Again, I was not looking for it, but it uh, reminded me of the good old days, back when the Woolworth store was still open here, back when we actually had a bustling downtown district. you remember that year? Um, so there's a picture right outside here at our radio station. And this is actually before WNBF moved here, where we are now. But it shows what was a deteriorating brick structure uh, Crosswalk going across Court Street. And it said they put these brick crosswalks in in 1980 and 1981. In the picture, in the paper, back when they had photojournalists at the paper, the photo demonstrated how after less than three years the bricks were in bad shape. They were deteriorating. The walkway was crumbling here at Court and State. And it turned out they had to do something about it because it was just untenable. You couldn't keep it that way. People would wind up getting hurt. Plus, it also didn't look very nice. So the city's community planning director said, they were trying to uh, get some bids to replace the bricks in the crosswalks. It said the city claims substandard construction and materials were to blame for the deterioration. Um, I think the company that did the work said not so fast. It says uh, the city wanted to figure out how to get some money to replace all the loose bricks that now pose a safety hazard to pedestrians. As you might expect, city officials at the time, shows how some things never change, Uh, the city's attorney and the planning director would not comment on how much it would cost to replace the bricks. The bricks were placed as part of a $1.7 million reconstruction project of Court Street. And the newspaper story says the city expects to get the bricks replaced this summer. So I only bring that to your attention as a cautionary tale, because some people uh, who now make decisions for the city of Binghamton weren't alive at that time. So if anybody gets an idea... You know what would be nice there on Court Street, why don't we put in some brick crosswalks? I would look really nice. So fortunately Fortunately they now have heard on the radio why it might look nice for a few weeks, it really is not the best use of money. So if anybody if anybody tries to float that idea, we can Shoot it down like some sort of spy balloon. It's 1118. Bob Joseph serving the public, trying to save your hard earned money. Yes, taxpayers, I'm on your side. On <laughs> news radio, WNBF 92 1 FM, 1290 AM, and streaming at WNBF.com. Now that you're. 21 WNBF, WNBF.com with Bob Joseph. And it's uh, always a pleasure to be with you on this program, 9 to noon, weekday mornings, bringing you some local coverage and also thoughts about other things going on in our ever-changing world. Maybe you've been paying attention to that terrible Terrible train derailment in Ohio. Speaking of the pretenders, the uh, train derailment happens, I believe, on Friday. And here we are. It's still a giant mess. It's not far from Pittsburgh, actually. The um, train derailment has uh, caused all sorts of trouble for people who live in... A very small community in Ohio called East Palestine. So they train derailed and then all weekend the thing is burning and they're putting up more warnings warning warning everybody everybody is in danger. So they had an evacuation. They started to release some of the uh, great chemicals that were uh, in some of the tanker cars. So it's just been been trouble for people in that part of Ohio and also for some people in Pennsylvania. So uh, and, and then you see a story like that, and you say, "Well, geez, could that happen here?" And the short answer is, yeah, it could happen here. If it could happen in East Palestine, it could happen in East Endwell or East Binghamton. Don't they have a rail yard? East Binghamton. Sure, it could happen here. Because every day, if you take a look on some of our finest railroads, take a look sometime when you get a chance at those tanker cars. Take a close look. Not every tanker car identifies what's in it, but some do. And trust me, those are not those are not fun chemicals. Those are potentially dangerous hazardous chemicals. So every time you see the tanker cars parked next to Binghamton's fabulous baseball stadium or tanker cars parked over the Um, roadway on Front Street near the Health Department. Always think about what's in those tanker cars, and always think what a great idea it is for those tanker cars to be parked in downtown Binghamton. In some cases, they're parked even behind homes. Sometimes, the railroads don't park tanker cars, they just park those big blue containers filled with municipal trash, which Certainly stinks, but at least the trash probably won't kill you. So what I was looking for uh, when I was just doing a search of the newspaper archives was one time when something really bad kind of like this happened in Binghamton. And that was in 1984 when we had a big evacuation in Binghamton because of a train derailment. And so I'm looking at the front page of what was called the Evening Press newspaper and it shows a couple of Binghamton police officers walking near the derailed cars that caused an evacuation of east side residents. And it shows a picture of a couple of residents on Binghamton's east side having to hang out at the Binghamton High School gym because they were forced from their homes. They lived on Liberty Street and because of the derailment they had to go to a shelter that was set up at the high school. So that's what happens. And and don't think for a second that it can't happen here or it won't happen again just because there hasn't been a big train derailment in Binghamton or Broome County in quite a while. Doesn't mean it's never going to happen. All it means is we're one day closer to when the next big train derailment happens. Remember that one afternoon? I I remember it distinctly. Bernie Fianti and I were in the WNBF newsroom. I think it was shortly after 4 o'clock on a weekday afternoon. We were preparing... For our daily news hour, we used to do a daily news hour every Monday through Friday starting at 5 p.m. So I had already recorded a couple of interviews for the big news hour that we were proud of back when we had it. And so everything was shaping up for a fine news hour. And then we get word of, oh, a train derailment. Train cars have gone off the tracks at Front Street near where the health department is now located. And wouldn't you know it I raced over there because it was getting close to a 5 o'clock air time so went over to check out the uh, train derailment and I'll be darned. <laughs> they were derailed cars railroad cars uh, off the tracks and some fell onto Front Street. Now miraculously, nobody was hurt. I don't know how that happened, because I think it happened shortly after 4 on a weekday afternoon. I would have guessed, because Front Street used to be busy at that time, I would have guessed that a car or a truck or a school bus would have been smushed by the uh, railroad cars when they went off the tracks there at the Front Street Bridge. But it didn't happen. But it still was one of those things that you don't expect in Binghamton. So all I'm saying is, take a look at what's going on there in East Palestine, Ohio. Take a good look and remember that situation and remember at some point, sometime in the future, that's the type of thing that could happen in the triple cities because the only thing I know about railroads, they've never ever in the history of the industry. They've never developed a railroad that doesn't have derailments. And the fact that they're transporting hazardous chemicals through our great city 24-7 should give you reason to uh, consider. Are we prepared? Are we prepared when chemical cars go off the tracks and then catch fire and release dangerous chemicals and then pose a, a risk of massive explosions are we ready for that just a question just something to think about it's eleven thirty. bob joseph with a few thoughts on a tuesday morning at wnbf good morning you're on the air what's your first name where are you calling from
9: uh joan from bingo hey there hi you only had a few thoughts huh
0: no i have a few more but i thought i'd give <laughs> you a chance to talk <laughs>
9: Okay, okay, okay. Well I guess that train derailment from what I heard was caused by what an axle seizing up?
0: Yeah, fortunately all the all the trains that go through Broome County have good axles and they the trains that we have going through here have axles that will never seize up.
9: No, the the railroad has sensors which the, uh, you know, the wheels go by. I don't know if they only have them in the rail yards or they have them in other places that actually uh, send back a pulse if they have an overheating, you know, they can sense temperature, and it gets sent uh, wherever, and uh, that's supposed to be taken care of. So possibly this is a maintenance problem so that uh, whoever or whatever, you know, the railroad should be, uh, you know, given a little bit more nudge, you know, for maintenance of uh, their sensors so that uh, this kind of thing, you know, wouldn't happen. But that's one of the problems with uh, railroads, and it hap- used to happen, I guess, a lot more in the past before they had the sensors, but, you know, I mean, nothing's foolproof. Well,
0: I know nothing's foolproof, but that's why I brought that up, because you see, how it's been going let's see friday saturday sunday monday tuesday here it is tuesday and it's still not fixed there in ohio i think there still is an evacuation because i think the area immediately around the derailment site is still viewed as hazardous because of i think the fire may still be burning and i think there still is uh chemical residue so i'm just concerned that something like that could happen here and then what do we do
9: sure could sure could that's you know we're You know the maintenance uh, has to be kept up, and. um, Have you ever looked at the
0: Have you ever looked at the condition of the railroad overpasses around here? Have you ever taken a close look at how the tracks look at in some areas?
9: Oh yeah, we were a couple of Sundays ago. We were walking along the tracks and uh, over by one of the bridges, and. You're right. I mean, uh, I know somebody that works on the railroad, and, uh, you know, I mean, the stories and things that he says, you know, are definitely concerning.
0: Concerning, but nothing worrisome, right? There's no reason to fear.
9: Uh, as with maintenance of anything, I mean...
1: You see, that's my concern. Have, if have the if, same
9: problem a lot of businesses do. Well, uh, I know, because or- it costs
0: money to properly maintain things. But the thing with the railroad, say if the tracks or the rolling stock, if they aren't properly maintained, there's a risk that people could be killed. That's, that's my concern. I'm, I'm not concerned about the damage to the freight cars, freight cars and uh, box cars and tankers. They can easily be replaced. I'm just concerned about people getting killed.
9: Oh, sure, sure. I mean. It just depends on how many uh, accidents happen compared to how much freight is moved and whether you want to move all that stuff by truck. If you want to move all that stuff by truck, just think of all the accidents you're going to have with
0: trucks. Oh, and I don't. No, I, I I support rail service. I support both freight and passenger rail service in the United States. I would I would think it's time for the federal government to actually subsidize the rail lines more so they can uh, maintain the tracks we have and also expand the rail network so that more freight, as well as more passengers, could be um, accommodated going forward. I, I think that's a win-win. If I Let me put it this way, Joan. If we had rail service between, say, that train station over on Lewis Street near the stadium, mm-hmm. if I could hop a train there and get myself into Manhattan, I'd probably do it, do it at least once a month. But they don't do it anymore.
9: Nope, don't do it anymore. And they're getting, according to what I hear, getting rid of, uh, they used to have an engineer and I guess a conductor, or basically walked along the railroad, the train, and made sure all the couplings were done and all this kind of stuff. They got rid of him. So pretty much the only thing you have on a train is an engineer, the guy who's driving the
0: thing. Right. They don't even and have a, a caboose anymore. They used to have a caboose. Nope, so no. at the end of the train, if something might go wrong between the, the front, between the engines, that are providing the power and the, the end with the caboose, somebody would be able to do something or say something, but they got rid of the cabooses so they could become restaurants. Well, <laughs> yeah, that well, was because of the good, the restaurant industry. The restaurant industry wanted yeah. all those cabooses so they could turn them into restaurants. Remember that one in Vestal that they turned uh, into a restaurant?
9: Problem with that now is restaurants are going out of business left and right. They can't, uh, can't make, I guess they can't make a buck or they can't find people. One somebody was complaining, I heard on one of the talk shows calling in, and they were saying, you're waiting in line to get into a restaurant. And that's not because you're waiting for a tra- table to be freed up. There's plenty of empty t- uh, tables. It's because there's only so many servers, so they can only have so many, uh, you know, uh, tables open. So half the restaurant, there's tables there, but nobody to serve you. So you wait in line until you get to the point till somebody in the serving section actually uh, gets up and leaves.
0: Well, I don't know what's so complicated about running this country. You know, this country used to run pretty well, I'd say, up until Joe Biden took over.
9: Well, what's so complicated about running a, rail, uh, a radio station?
0: That, too. Uh, case closed, <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, exhibit A. See what I'm saying? So I'm looking at the the derailment where those, one of the boxcars, actually, it turns out, I stand corrected because I, I think I erroneously stated with that derailment that happened in April 2003. Actually, I think I'm going to do an update because we're now about at the 20th anniversary. I'll do an update 20 years later. Could it happen again? Because about 20 years ago is when that derailment happened on front near Clinton streets. And I stand corrected. I said or implied that Uh, one or more boxcars actually wound up in the street. And looking at the picture by Wayne Hansen in the press and Sun Bulletin, uh, the truth was, um, only I think only one boxcar actually fell from the tracks. There were, I think, at least four cars involved in the derailment. But one plunged from the tracks and wound up on the sidewalk on the east side of Front Street so, if somebody was walking on the sidewalk, they would have been smushed. But it, it, it did not, the way this picture makes it look, it, it appears that the boxcar did not actually impinge on Front Street. So, that probably explains why nobody in any cars was, was crushed. It happened on a Tuesday afternoon at about 4 o'clock. And um, the guy who lived near there, Joe Nannery, said it sounded like a bomb went off said the one boxcar crashed down a 15-foot embankment onto the sidewalk on Front Street. Hmm. So can you imagine you're walking on Front Street, minding your own business, keeping your eyes out for people who want to uh, attack you, and then, <laughs>
9: <laughs> well... Wasn't that bad back then? I no, no, it wasn't. Well, bad, well, bad eh,
0: well, let's put it this way. It wasn't that bad. Just like now, I don't think it's that bad. Say, if I'm walking this afternoon on that part of Front Street at 4, it's not that bad. I mean, but you still pay attention to your surroundings. I mean, if if I see a guy who looks like he's a homicidal maniac, I'm going to go across to the other side of the street
9: be more likely
0: to get hit by a car <laughs> yeah probably my luck will be a BC transit bus <laughs> but I keep saying that you know why why is that um, but anyway it just goes to show occasionally we do have derailments around here fortunately mm-hmm. they're they're infrequent but uh, they point out uh, the acting fire chief at the time Dan Thomas said fortunately there were no hazardous or toxic chemicals on the the cars that derailed. So, but
9: I you know well, most of most of the trains going through this area seem to be going quite slow.
0: They are. They actually, you know, I, I mean, will say that, they could that,
9: walk faster.
0: <laughs> yeah. Well, they do have a That's a good point. Uh if you look through the Triple Cities and I don't know what the standard speed limit is, but it's definitely under 50. I think in most populous areas around the Triple Cities, I think the speed limit may be some something around 35 or 40 so they're not they're not zipping through they do pick up speed once they get outside the the area you know with a lot of homes and businesses they i think then might go 50 miles an hour but it's it's all supposed to be i think it's a complicated formula that they use for speed limits part of it is track condition and i think part of it is the surrounding area and it's true uh, certainly, in in recent years, it appears to me that most of the trains passing through Broom County are um, going more slowly than maybe they did 20 or 30 years ago. That's just my observation, and I I think it's probably true. I I, I mean, obviously, they're trying to keep the tracks in good shape too. I I see, you know, whether it's Norfolk Southern or uh, people affiliated with the other railroads around here i see that they're constantly monitoring and working along the railroad tracks. so i know they're trying to keep them in very good condition because let's face it if you're running a railroad nothing nothing could be worse than having your line shut down by even a minor derailment that really really affects your profitability if you if you can't get if you can't get stuff shipped going through wherever whether it's Mm -hmm. going to buffalo or wherever if your line is shut down even for a few hours that costs you money so it's obviously in their best interest to keep things as safe as possible
9: yeah sure i mean i've i've been told of you know like box cars i guess they sit different places and uh you know, they come back to the box cars, you know, on the train and find out they've been broken into and there's
0: Oh, all that's kinds another of thing. Why?
9: Rolling all over the place.
0: Joan, why are people breaking into box cars and stealing merchandise that doesn't they, belong to them? Why?
9: They broke through the back walls of the, of the Binghamton Plaza also. I know why. Who? <laughs> I thought that was interesting. Exactly.
0: Who are these people and why won't they stop?
9: Well, because they know they're going to get their hands slapped and they're not going to jail.
0: Well, then I blame Andrew Cuomo.
9: Oh, uh, I think I I blame the whole uh uh Democrat uh party. Well,
0: what for about Carl Hasty?
9: Voting for that.
0: Well, what about Carl Hasty?
9: Uh. I, I don't have anything to say about that. <laughs> no, thank I don't you. know. I don't know <laughs> okay. what he said. So. <laughs> yeah. I don't anyway. know what he said, so I can't, you know.
0: No, you can only imagine though. You can probably imagine what he said. I appreciate your call. All righty. 11:42. Yes. A famous catchphrase. What about Carl Hasty? This is Bob Joseph live on News Radio, WNBF and WNBF.com. How do you Forty-five WNBF with Bob Joseph on your side, just looking out for ways to improve the community. That's the goal. That's the goal. We want a better community for everyone. And um, if I bring up a few things and uh, alert people to uh, situation, well, maybe, just maybe, something can be done to prevent trouble. Right. And some people are saying, well, it's none of your business. Now, let the government handle that. Why don't you just take phone calls and stop with your helpful suggestions? Stop trying to stick your nose in where it doesn't belong. Let let the people in charge (laughs) run things. Yeah, they're doing a wonderful job, I believe. The people in charge. Look how how well things are running here. Let's see, today is February 7th, and uh, that means, I guess, spring is probably right around the corner. Here's the forecast from the National Weather Service. Today, nice, cloudy, but nice, high 41. Tonight, mostly cloudy. A chance of showers, low 33. Tomorrow, starting off cloudy, gradually becoming mostly sunny, high 40. And then for Thursday, some freezing rain in the morning, followed by rain later in the day, high 43. Mostly cloudy Friday, by the way, high 50. Right now, it's 38 in downtown Binghamton. When I was out reporting yesterday, I noticed something that caused me momentary concern. There was a lot of ice in the river, in the Susquehanna River, and I thought, oh my goodness, with temperatures uh, going to be mild this week, does that mean we should worry about ice jam flooding? So, I immediately contacted Dave Nicosia from the National Weather Service, and he reassured me. He said, Bob, I don't believe there will be any problems related to ice jam flooding. Yes, the rivers do have a lot of ice, because we had that cold snap for a couple days and then things warmed up. So there's a lot of ice in the rivers. He said based on the current forecast there should not be any issue with ice jam flooding. Because although we're going to have temperatures in the 40s and close to 50 later in the week there does not appear to be a lot of rain on the way. Yeah, there will be some precipitation but he says probably not enough to cause any threat Related to the ice and the rivers. So there, eleven forty-eight. WNBF. Good morning. You're on the air. What's your first name? Where are you calling from?
6: Yeah, this is Vinny from Binghamton. Hey, Bob. You know, I um, I was wondering. I've been listening to um, the broadcast, like everybody else does, but Actually, for the last couple of weeks. On that, uh, when you go on your web uh, app, and you can hear past shows. And I uh, listened to the uh, gentleman who complimented you when you interviewed our. Uh, our representative Molinero, and he said, "What a good job you did, which you did." And um, I listened to a gentleman yesterday talk about the price of Pepsi, and it's not about corporations making money; it's about greed. I also listened to the police and the thing that went on at Wegmans, you know. And 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 one of the things I, I could be wrong, but I think one of the things that would help our society is being proud. To raise kids again the opportunity to take take care of children two people raising or if you know in-laws or whatever i think that's a problem because a lot of these solutions i see these things happen and, and it's like where are the parents now i've been lucky i've been blessed me and my wife have i mean we we went to the one of the poor schools in broom county but our kids turned out fine because we kept in touch with the teachers you let us know if anything happens to my little Johnny or my little Sarah. I wonder if that's still happening. But see, we can't get teachers on here to talk. We can't get police on here to talk. No, they're Why?
0: not allowed. They're, teachers, yeah. law enforcement officers, government employees, all of them are gagged. I mean, isn't that a yeah. shame that we live in a society that won't allow a police officer to tell us about his or her experiences in Binghamton or Endicott or Johnson City. They're not allowed. If they do, they could be fired.
6: Yep. And I said it must be a tough thing. Like I said, I am now a member of those parents that might get that 1 or 2 o'clock call in the morning that says your son is gone because my, my son is in law enforcement, not in this area, but he's in law enforcement. And he was here just a couple weeks ago when we were talking. He goes, oh, Dad, oh, yeah. He goes, we get the things that they go through. Now, I understand there are bad cops. But one of the things I've talked to him about is I want you to remember something. Because I was told by so many people, stop your child from going into law enforcement. And I said, I can't. I said, because that's his dream.
0: It's yeah, a mission. I, I have relatives who yeah. are in law, law enforcement around here and I admire them. I admire yep. their courage, I admire yep. their diligence, I admire their willingness to put their lives on the line to protect our communities. I I oh, I wish I had what they had. I mean, not yeah. just physically, but mentally things. to do what they I do every day.
6: To... Absolutely, Bob, and I told them two things when he's there. I said I want you to remember something. I said I want you to remember that One, there are bad cops, just like there's bad teachers, bad people. I want you to remember that. That's one. Two is this. When a cop kills a civilian, you're going to get about a couple days, maybe weeks, depending on how it is. But when you guys get shot, you get one day, usually, of
0: coverage. That's it. Yeah, it's... there's no fairness there's no fairness in life and again I admire I admire anyone who today is putting on a badge and going out on the street or if they're investigators now or whatever capacity or administrators are in charge of special units I admire them and also those who've gone before them protecting our communities I know I know it's not easy And even with as much as I think I know, I still don't know the half of it. I'm Bob Joseph. This is WNBF. Hi, folks. Joseph, thank you very much for listening to the program today. Always grateful for those who take a few minutes to find out what we're discussing on our radio program. Also, special thanks to those who called in today. If you didn't have a chance to call in today, you certainly will have another opportunity tomorrow. In the meantime, I encourage you to enjoy your afternoon and stay tuned to News Radio. WNBF and WNBF.com.
5: WNBF Binghamton Time.